All right. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity of kind leadership. You have gifted the individuals and the team members and their support system to create such an awesome platform. We thank you, Father, by honoring you that we can learn together, grow together, but also inspire and guide others to seek out their life experiences, to seek out their life lessons, and also to seek out their life purpose. Father, we look forward to having a great conversation. We're going to have fun. Your words will be edified here and your thoughts will be passed through our conversations. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Among other things, Michael Respert credits faith for helping him escape a dangerous path his life was taking. Harriet Tubman took a dangerous path to help others create a life worth living. On today's KL Podcast, we speak with Michael Respert on family, Faith and Harriet Tubman. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Kind Leadership Podcast. Today, we continue our celebration of Black History Month with special guest and our good friend, Michael Respert. Yeah. Mike, how you doing? Good. Energized, ready to go. I I have never spent time with you when you're not energized. So <laughs> you're you're already meeting my expectation. There we go. Hey, let's jump in, Mike. I I don't want to waste any time with the small talk, man. We've got heavy stuff to get into. So let's do it. Let's, let's get right it. to it. You're you're a highly successful businessman and respected community leader. But when I look at your bio that you wrote, the headline says go giver. Yeah. What's that mean? Well, go-giver, even with the business context or the life context, I think it's just a matter of how you engage and how you deal with people. So go-giver is a principle. Uh, it's a parable of how you deal with each other. So I believe I focus on how I help the people I encounter. I'm genuinely interested in what people are doing, whether it's someone painting an art or building a building or trying to work in a, in a, in a business setting. So I naturally try to figure out how can I help you because that teaches me how to grow. The opposite is a go-getter. Like they wanna be first in everything, they wanna do everything and everybody else has gotta get out the way. Well, I was raised in a manner where learning from other people was a positive uh, reinforcement. Yeah. And so that go-giver is really a matter of how you treat each other, how you treat others, but then you learn by exposure because then I get better by giving into others. Yeah. Well, let me tell you something, Mike. I've known you for a while and I've never associated you with that book, but mm -hmm. once I made the connection, I was like, he's living that. That's it. I mean, because anybody who hasn't read the book, you know, there's five laws of stratospheric success. That's it. You know, one is value, two is compensation. I'm going to skip right through those and get to the last three, which yeah. is what Mike Respert is all about. Yeah. And that is influence, authenticity, and receptivity. That's it. And so, I mean, I, I hadn't connected you with that book, Mike, until I saw that on your bio. But you're spot on, man. That's it. That's you're it. living that. Hey, so we, we asked you to highlight a black leader today. Mm -hmm. You could have you could have chosen any black leader. Yeah. And you selected Harriet Tubman. Yeah. Tell me about that. 
So think of it, um, gender wise, I'm a male, that's a female. So we have to honor all people at all levels. And Harriet actually represents to me, my 96 year old grandmother who's still alive. Mm. She lived in a sharecropper's environment in South Georgia. She was raised in connection to a plantation. Uh, her parents were slaves. So I'm three generations removed from a true slave environment. Yeah. And so she can tell the real stories of moving around and having to navigate and avoid the trouble with people who would do harm to the black community or people in the black community. Um, and so when I think of Harriet Tubman, that she was the kind of character who was strong and focused to be able to kind of leave a environment of slavery, um, clearly decide that she wanted her freedom to be experienced by others. And she made a life mission to say, how can I get other people out of something that's dangerous, that's harmful, that's, that's you know, um, very, very degrading and, and, and traumatizing? How, she, how could she get these people out? So my grandmother is like the prayer warrior, if you want to leave, have that term. And I look at the par paradox of you can live a life and just life goes on. But then you can also say, like, go giver, grandma prays for everybody. Yeah. How can they be better? How can we get through things? How can, you know, life circumstances, she'll just pray for our family. She prays for, you know, government and people that she can see on TV and read the newspaper. She's done it all her life. So that's where Harriet Tubman jumps out to me. Yeah, that's really interesting, Mike. You know, something that occurred to me when, when we, we were, you know, talking about Harriet Tubman and, you know, mm. we've had a couple of conversations uh, about history and Harriet Tubman and her impact. Mm -hmm. You know, I think a lot of us, um, we visualize Harriet Tubman as being this older woman. You know, yeah. you, you compared her to your grandmother. And I, I'm trying to figure this out. I don't know if it was because photography was, was invented at the end of her life. And that's the only pictures we have. I'm not really sure. She lived to be very old. She lived to be almost yeah. 100. Yeah. But she was fierce, man. You this, is not a, this is not a 95-year-old grandma moving through, moving through the marshes. No. She this, was 40 years old during the Civil War. Yeah. She carried a pistol. Yes. She was not afraid to use yes. it. Yes. So now yeah. I got to give you the backdrop of my grandmother. Yeah, so drop it on me. pictures of her when she was like in her early 40s. And you see this kind of scowl in these pictures. Like, you know, she just had a scowl. Like, I can only say it because that's what the image. And I'm like, dang, my grandmother looked mean. But grandma was disciplined. So when I think of Harriet Tubman and the journey that we'll cover in this interview, she was a disciplined person. That's leadership. She yeah. was fired up all the time because her focus was, I got something to do and nobody around me going to stop me. So yeah, my grandmother got fired and it came from her younger years. Let's talk about Harriet's strength, yep. Mike, because you kind of led me there. She, she drew a lot of her strength from a religious faith. Mm -hmm. Where's your strength come from? You know, I, I had to learn my faith life even though we had a praying grandmother and my parents would take us to the physical church and teach us what the Bible was saying. I think for me, I had to visualize what that meant. So I didn't know what strength was other than 
rigid guidance as a younger person. By the time I got to like 19, 20, 21 years old, and I was at Michigan State, and I started to realize, okay, some of these days are harder. Not the physical part of basketball practice, going to class, moving around. It was mental pressure, uh, emotional pressure, um, starting to take on some wins and losses, you know, either a grade or not getting a test or maybe a friendship failing or a girlfriend or, you know, getting into a couple fights with people and you deal with all these emotions. Then when I would go back and read the quote unquote Bible, I had to find somebody that made it make sense to me. So like Harriet Tubman, like my grandmother, my faith came from me finding a high school coach who shifted his entire life based on biblical characters. So my middle name is Paul. So Michael Paul Respert. And the story of Paul is where I find those characters in the Bible as we write our kind leadership book virtually or through audio recordings, we're writing about character traits. We're we're talking about character traits. So I found that my strength was in faith, but I had to align it with a human today to make sense of the characters of the past. I would see people who were in the neighborhood. I'd see people who were cutting grass. I would see people running ice cream shops and in the stores and driving tractors. And I'm like, okay, how are these people doing these things? But the Bible tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. So I started to say, wait a minute, I'm 19, 20, 21 years old. My mentor is seven years older. I'm meeting people that are 30, 40 years older. I got to get to my future. So I can't see it yet. So faith became, how do I get through each week? I want to back you up for just a second because, you know, you mentioned Paul. Is is that the biblical figure that you identify with the most? Because I would not have guessed that. I, well, I yeah. Holistically, I would not have oh, guessed that. Yeah. So I see the Paul in you. Yeah. I'm not sure if I've ever seen the Saul in you. Yeah. So watch this. That road to Damascus, for those that want to look up the story of Paul, it was an immediate conversion of him recognizing, remember, he was terrorizing the quote unquote termed Christian. Yes. He was a attacker. He was assertive. He was aggressive. So all that energy, I believe his story is about, we can channel our energy to be a positive character. So the Saul to Paul was immediate, but he was Saul. He was very assertive, very aggressive. I'm forcing you to abide by the king's law. I'm forcing you to abide by rules over you. Well, if God rules over us, look at the energy God saw and said, yeah, I need him to be a convert. I need him to be focused. So the same energy, I was mischievous. I got in a lot of trouble in my younger years. We had gangs in our neighborhood of Detroit. Uh, I was very curious, same curiosity we can use for positive. I could use that for negative. And so the context of Paul, even in his later years, like that prison that Paul had to go into is not a prison today with lights, waters, and it was dark, wet, and damp. So for Paul to have gone through this storyline of writing two-thirds of the Bible, he had a hard life. So yeah, yeah, Saul was one character, but Paul had a whole journey. You know, you said you were curious. Mm-hmm. And at some point, you pivoted away from that. Yeah. So it sounds like you were on the fringe. Yeah. And then at some point, you pivoted away. What was that that drove that pivot? Was that uh, athletics? Was that uh, an influential 
you know, person in your life, what, what kind of kept you at least on the right side, you know? I think the true transition was once I started meeting people who could be further in life, the interest, the curiosity was, how can I make it? I see they have a family. I see they have a life. I see they welcome me into their home. So that series of interactions, I started to get people giving into me. So I had to realize, wait a minute, respect the game. I can respect a street guy, so now I gotta respect a person who's of character, who's of positive energy, who's of goal-minded activities. So I started to shift when I was welcomed in to people who would care for me. Once I felt like I was cared for, I wanted to be free. I wanted to live. I wanted to kind of behave properly to get more of it. So it was reinforcement. Right. So at some at some point, somebody reached out to you. Yeah. And said, "There's a there's a better way." There's a better way. And you followed them. Yeah. But along those same lines, you know, we can stay in the context of your neighborhood growing up. Mm-hmm. Or we can shift back to Harriet Tubman because there's a bit of a thread there. there you know, is. a lot of times she would offer freedom to slaves yeah. and they would reject her offer. Yeah. How frustrating is that? You know, here's where for me, speaking of Michael, it touches a little bit on grandma's ways. I broke their heart. Dang. I was 15 years old. And I got into a drive-by shooting. And here it is, you know, they know me from a three, four-year-old kid that wasn't talking. I didn't even speak because my brother would like help me do everything. So when he went to school, I finally spoke. So I didn't say a word until I was five. I worked through a series of stuttering in school because I didn't, I couldn't keep my mind and thoughts aligned to say stuff. So my granddad, as I mentioned to you all before, had a third grade education. So I would go places and he would show me everything. Fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, paper route, all that. So here it is seven, eight years into my schooling. And I got so close to the guys in the neighborhood that I didn't see a problem with being involved with a drive-by shooting. Didn't think about the bullet that hit the guy in the stomach. He didn't die, fortunately. We had to go to court. We got arrested, the whole nine. Well, I had to sit in my living room and tell my grandparents. So it was like seven or eight days that I was avoiding the truth. But when they sat in that living room, it was a wrap. I'm like, dang, like all the stuff they done to help me. And now here it is, I could be resisting their teaching. So like Harriet wanting to help them come out of a slave mentality, come out of a, of a, of, of a, um, of a life of being chained and beat and mistreated. My grandparents clearly had seen the 60s in Detroit. They clearly had seen experiences in the 40s down in the South. So they're trying to look at this young kid that's a grandson and give me what they feel will help me live further than they could. Education, life, work, family. They only had one kid, my mom. So I think that was what Harriet was looking at. Like you get away from this life that seems restrictive, but you see people get themselves in trouble. You see people get themselves bound up. And so I think Harriet's intuition was, I want you to be free, but you got to want it yourself. 
I said, okay, my grandfather went third grade. That's all he had. And if I can be what he couldn't be, I'm honoring him. And I think that's what Harriet saw, that she wanted those people who might've been children of people of slaves, children of the people who were brought over in the slave ships, children of the people who were sold on the blocks and beaten and killed and maimed, that those children could see freedom because there were free people, whether they were Blacks or Europeans or whoever, she saw free people. She saw free life where she went in the North. So she said, okay, I gotta figure out how to help people like me become free. And I think one thing to remember, the Underground Railroad was like the grandparents of those people. They wanted to help you get to the next step of your freedom. Yeah. I think we always have an underground railroad of teaching or people who help us along the way. They'll sow seed that someone else has to water. And I think that's a good context to remember about how she was able to help people become free. She had to have help. She had to have a tribe and a team. Yeah, that's great, Mike. I, that's so powerful to me. It, you know, you're talking about being a team yeah. and, you know, clearly Harriet Tubman, whether it was in the Civil War or yeah. the Underground Railroad, yeah. multiple occasions throughout her life, she worked successfully across gender and race to achieve her goals. Yep. And that's not easy, man. No. I mean, we're, we're 150 years down the road and it's still not easy. Why is that so hard, Mike? I think the challenge of today is we still have a human ambition to be greater than what was behind us, have more than what we had in the past. So we have thinking that can be embedded in greed. It can be embedded in economical status. It can be embedded in equality. It can be embedded in equity. You know, if I'm a farmer and I own the farm, our thinking is saying, I should be a better farmer than you versus why don't we just put our farms together? No, I agree. It, I mean, people don't get along. There's no doubt about that. That's, that's universal. Mm -hmm. But why is it so hard to specifically work across race and gender? Yeah. You know, uh, you don't have a problem with yeah. it, Mike, or at least you haven't let on that you have a problem with it. I've yeah. never seen it, but Clearly, there's an issue. I think insecurity. When I'm telling you the story of me and my grandparents and me being engaged with my classmates and or neighborhood guys, insecurity. If I don't know who I am, I will adapt to what gives me power. If that parent is saying, yes. well, I'm insecure about myself, so I look and pass judgment on this person who maybe is getting arrested or maybe is having something happen. Well, I'm supposed to be free. I'm supposed to be better. But since I don't know it, let me put someone else down so I can feel better. Insecurity. So from a kind leadership perspective and from Michael Resper's perspective, I will attack somebody in an office environment. I will attack someone in a customer environment because if I realize that you're putting your insecurity on me, my aggression is Paul. I'm not afraid to tell you about yourself, 
But then I have to register and say, wait a minute, you didn't change their thinking. You just argued with them, right? You just debated with them. So now it's say, okay, can I give you an example, even though you might not give me credit, can I teach you something by how I respond to you? If I fight you, I'm insecure. Yeah, I think you're on to something there, Mike. And it's it's not what a lot of us want to hear because everybody wants to, you know, a lot of people want you to wrap that up in one sentence. What do we need to do? And we'll all be fine moving <laughs> forward. We're done here. Yeah, let's move so, on. That's right. It's hard work and it's done on, an, on a person-to-person basis. That's it. One relationship at a time. That's how minds are changed. That's how That's perspectives it. are changed. That's it. I'm, I'm right there with you. So let's back up just for a second, because you mentioned 2020 and the unrest, you know, throughout the year, really. Yeah. When when Harriet Tubman was talking about slavery, she would often compare it to to this aggressive, poisonous snake Mm -hmm. and said that our country was more concerned with treating the snake bites than focusing on killing the snake. Yeah. What what's our snake in 2021? Uh, man, I, I I think I led us into that. I think it's our thinking. What yeah. happens when you get information that changes how you think? Yeah. Social media. Yeah. You can follow somebody who posts an article. Now our belief system may not be anchored to just question that. It could be an image. I think the NASCAR debate of what happened with the black driver and the noose that was in his um, garage. Well, you get people to say, oh, they just, it was a a, a rope to pull the door down. Tied like a noose that historically has been published to look the way it looks and function the way it functions. And if you make a noose that particular way, its function is related back to hanging human beings, right? Yes. So you could have a a doorbell if that's what you choose to do, but make a different rope. Right. So clearly, if he didn't create that and that was a part of the unrest experiences, then the reality becomes who wanted to create that thinking? We have to decide how do we think when we address a team member, address a family member. Right. If I if I believe I should treat you fair, I'm going to think of ways to treat you fair. If I believe in ways I'm gonna treat you unfair, I'm gonna treat you unfair. I have to think it before I do it. And then if I am persuaded because I don't have an anchor of belief or an anchor of commitment or an anchor of value system, now it's like we can be moved from one area or another. So I think that's our snake, that's our snake. Um, in a lot of ways, the thinking that you're describing could possibly be the snake bite, could mm-hmm. be the effect and not the cause. Yeah. And when we think about the cause, I think you maybe touched on that earlier, which is lack of education, mm-hmm. lack of exposure to people that are different than us. Yeah. The family environment that we were grown in, you know, that yeah. we grew up in. Yeah. Who influences us in our life. Yeah. I mean, that is that is the cause. And then. Yeah. The effect is just it's, it's splattered out into the world. I think if we look at a cause reality is what are our experiences? What are our expectations that we get from those experiences? And what degree of exposure are we willing to learn in? 
clearly this is two kind leaders speaking. Yes. Without a doubt, Mike, you, you embody so many principles of kind leadership and I appreciate you for it. You got it. When we look at Harriet Tubman, how does she epitomize kind leadership? Yeah, I think you have to have the passion for other people to have a better experience. She was willing to encounter the struggles of not only the physical travel in and out of plantations and back and forth to cities and and the Underground Railroad, but now you're dealing with the people on the trip, the babies, the women, the men. And she's telling, I think the movie captured crossing a river and some of the men said, I'm not going over there because we're going to drown. And she's like, we going across this river. And rather than debate, right, a leader has to go and say, let's, let's create the success that creates belief in the people who have to follow us. So a leader has to want to face the obstacle, not for their benefit, for the benefit of others. So now that's the go-giver in Harriet. They have to do the work. They have to have the scars. Whether people see us struggle or whether people see us succeed, that's Jesus to me. That's Harriet in the flesh. That's great, Mike. Hey, Mike. Yeah. I learn from you every single time that we talk. (laughs) I love you so much for it, man. That's it. Thank you for joining us today. Yes, sir. Keep doing what you're doing, man. All right. Hey, stay focused, stay committed. Wow. Right? Michael Respert. Man, I need more Michael Respert in my life. I think we all do. You just, you do not have a shallow conversation with Michael Respert. It just doesn't happen. No. No. Speaking of that, Tim, if you need a little mental break, that's okay. Because I know that, I mean, that was, uh, you know, that was a lot going on right there. I mean, I've known Mike for so long. And every interaction, every conversation, he gives me so much. But after I'm done with him, I'm also (laughs) exhausted. I'm like emotionally taxed because he provokes so much thought. I just feel like I need to lay down and like think through everything that he just hit me. It was a great, it was a great conversation. And so, you know, what we're going to do right now is just take a few minutes and just talk about some perspective because Josh and I got to sit and, you know, we rode shotgun on this thing. So we were just taking notes and absorbing everything. Josh, I want to hear from you a couple things that really stood out. What are the things that hit your heart? Now, you know, I, I, the biggest thing that I took away from that for me, and, and I think it ties into a lot of the conversations we have was about, you know, believing in something bigger than yourself and believing in the greater, the greater good and making an impact on, on the things that go beyond you, right? One of the things he said, you have to have a passion for other people to have a better experience than you did. And I think he ties that into Harriet Tubman. I think he tied it into his grandparents and his parents and, and the way that you, you approach life and, and leadership and saying, hey, you know, this isn't about me. This is about how I am improving the things beyond me. Right? I mean, we called it legacy a few times, but I think it's even bigger than that. And the, one, of the, one of the quotes that I love the most at the very end is when he said, you can't just talk about it. You got to be about it. I, I, I love, there are a couple points uh, that I felt like kind of connected. One, we talked about slaves refusing freedom. Like, why would, why would that be an issue? And he said, people have to want it for themselves. Yeah. And 
and then he talked about, you know, being a leader. Uh, and, and he said uh, at the very end, he was saying, you have to do the work. Sometimes that means you've got to carry the scars and it's going to be regardless of whether you're successful or whether you struggle. That was really powerful. And then one part I know that really touched him was whenever he was talking about what he thought the snake of 2021 was. And he mentioned social media. And I, I just, I knew that Tim probably loved uh, him referring to social media as the snake. Uh, we got like I wrote the answer for him. <laughs> yes. I'll tell you what, just, you know, and I'm fresh out of this and it's a little hard for me to process right now, but I'll tell you what is just dominating me mentally right now and josh touched on it he's josh said you know something about lasting long or legacy but let's really talk about this for a second so mike talked about the influence that his grandparents had on him and he referenced things in their life that happened before he was born so he's probably referencing things that happened a hundred years ago and they affected him or they do affect him personally right now. And I just can't help but think how powerful everything we do is not just in the moment, but moving forward. I mean, it is intimidating to think that something we're doing right now could have a profound effect on people a hundred years from now. And I don't think that is being dramatic because we just got finished talking to Mike who is clearly moved and influenced by the actions of people that happened 50, 70, a hundred years ago. And that is really powerful. Once again, thank you, Michael Respert. And thank you for listening. We hope you learned a little more about Harriet Tubman, and we hope you loved meeting Michael. And remember, you have to want to free yourself first. So start there. Good luck. For more KL podcasts, visit kindleadershipproject.com, follow us on LinkedIn, or find us on your favorite streaming service. This podcast is an expression of the views of Kind Leadership and its team. We're always open for discussion, so find us on social media and give us your thoughts.